0: This is the You Winning Life Podcast, your number one source for mastering a positive existence. Each episode, we'll be interviewing exceptional people, giving you empowering insights, and guiding you to extraordinary outcomes. Learn from specialists in the worlds of integrative and natural wellness, spirituality, psychology, and entrepreneurship, so you, too, can be winning life. Now, here's your host, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified
1: neuro-emotional Technique practitioner and certified entrepreneur coach, Jason Wasser. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the You Winning Life podcast. Today I'm with Rob Kessler. He's the inventor and co founder of the Million Dollar Collar, which is a relatively simple solution to fix what he has dubbed placitis. Placotitis, excuse me, which is the sinking, wrinkling, and folding of the placket of a casually worn shirt, right? We all see this. I see it all the time on TV, like these million dollar suits, like on the show suits, and like they're like folded over and like things aren't saying. But before that, before he built this million dollar business, he had a screen printing company, an embroidering company that he started out of his home, built to a million dollar in revenue before selling it. And now he has his hands in a bunch of other things, including diamonds and the real estate market and auto sales. You're also a captain at this point, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So he's got right. He got this thing going on with 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 boating. So Rob, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm really excited to be spending this time with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Love uh, love talking to you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. So,
1: so before we get into all of the little strategies, I would love for people to kind of get a little bit of your backstory, who you are, where you come from, and how did you decide that like this world of entrepreneurship was kind of like your calling? Okay. So, uh, I was born in Detroit,
0: Michigan. Uh, my mom and dad left really early when I was, I was maybe one, when we decided to leave, uh, my dad decided that, uh, he just didn't like where his life was going in Detroit and needed to totally reset. So he started driving and found an uncle in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and just kind of hunkered down there. And, um, he was looking for a job and looking for a job, couldn't find one finally walked into a jewelry store and said, give me 30 days. If you don't love me, I'll walk away. And after 30 days, the guy fired his brother-in-law and hired my dad full-time. He knew nothing about diamonds, nothing about jewelry. I mean, his first customer was like, let me see this ruby. And he pulled out an emerald. Let me see the ruby. Here's a sapphire. like, no, the red one, dummy. Uh, But he just knew how to work with people and and relationships and uh, ended up leaving that store after 10 months and opening his own store and uh, 40 years later, he just retired and, uh, it was, uh, seven locations and, uh, I don't know, 150 some employees. So pretty amazing empire that he built. And so grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I worked with him, uh, at the later years of my college. And then, um, after the real estate crash in 08, when I was in real estate, um, he had a, a longtime employee that was retiring. So he said, Hey, you know what, your industry's down. I got a, f- position to fill. Um, so I came back and worked for a couple more years and then went off on my own. I had my own screen printing business was going and I was doing that in the basement, like after my full day of working at the jewelry store. And, um, you know, I think we we're still similar that we just butt heads a lot because, you know, he could see the younger version of himself and me, I think, which probably frustrated the hell out of him. So, um, yeah. I went and did the screen printing business for another couple of years out of my basement. And then I met my wife who was in corporate America, well not really corporate America, but she was more of a corporate job. Um, she was really into fitness. So she started doing fitness stuff on the side. And, uh, after about a year and a half together, we decided that she was going to quit that big time job. We bought a big 6,000 square foot building. She opened a gym. I moved my screen printing business out of the basement. Finally, and uh, we rocked and rolled. So we did that for a few years. And then uh, about five years ago, we sold everything we had, the business, the, uh, everything, and moved out to California and started over.
1: Wow. So, so multiple things going on there that I want to <laughs> kind of...
0: Pick apart. I didn't get to the cars that I sold. I didn't yeah. get to the, too much into the real estate. The, so,
1: so one cool. of the things I love off the bat is like you're, you're the creativity of the dabbler, the creativity of the person who takes all these risks in different areas. And, and I'm a big fan. Right? I'm a marriage and family therapist. And I'm actually a um, third generation family business owner that I didn't go into the family business. So, um, but now I work with my family business as a consultant and a coach on the outside, instead of being there on the nitty gritty day to day, like, you know, I would with other businesses. So there's a lot I would love to like pick apart about that. Right. So you were like already doing this stuff in high school. You were kind of like led into this path in a way that informed a lot of your future decisions. Like, when did you know that like business is for me? Like, you know, I find that people like kind of have their calling in a way. And there's sometimes that intergenerational pressure of like, I'm just going to go into the family business versus like, how did you know that this was like your thing? And like you wanted it, whether it was diamonds or real estate or silk printing, because I know the, the backstory that you didn't share is that you were trying to get something printed and you couldn't find a good enough deal. So you ended up doing it yourself.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I always, from a young age, I learned, you know, if you can't afford to pay someone to do it, you better learn how to do it yourself. And I think I was kind of a terror too. So I would break shit around the house. And so I would have to go back and like fix it before I got in trouble. So I learned how to like tinker and fix things. Um, I got really, really lucky in high school. I got hired at a little soccer and volleyball store. And from day one, I was given all of the confidence, all of the support. Um, and and so I, from that moment that I walked in, I felt like a business owner. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, 17 years old, and this guy's like, Here's the key to the store. Here's the combination. You know, find your place. And within a couple of years, I ended up doing like the bookkeeping and um, some of the marketing stuff. I would every eight or nine months, I'd get an itch, and I would go in at like eight o'clock after the store closed, pull everything off the walls, repaint, and reorganize the whole store with some friends over, you know, when you had all the energy in the world until four or five in the morning. Sleep for a couple hours and get up and go back to school. So, you know, I got that feeling that it was my business, even though I was 17 years old, 18 years old. Um, You know, I've got my dad who's been in business for himself. I have uh, aunts and uncles that all have successful businesses. So it just kind of felt like uh, the right thing. Uh, When I went back to work for my dad uh, in like 2008, 2009, 2010, we finally kind of decided that our personal relationship was more important than uh, me being an employee. So I knew for sure at that point that I couldn't work for anybody else, but I had a pretty good inkling that that wasn't a good fit. And actually now my dad is uh, involved in two of my companies. He's an investor and uh, on the day-to-day stuff. So uh, it's really cool that we've come full circle. And now that it's not his baby and it's my baby, I think the dynamic changed a little bit. So that helps.
1: Yeah, it, I want I want to go back for a moment because you you know there's something that's already standing out to me about what you said, which is I took this extra effort, I took this extra initiative, I took these extra steps to go and and do these things to the paint, to decide I want to go do bookkeeping, right? That you found your place, but the person who was running the business allowed you permission to do that. And yeah, I, it was amazing, right? How, how first of all mad props to that person, right? Because usually it's the kernel secret recipe and I'm not going to share it with anybody and it's mine and you just work for me and I'm not going to trust you and I'm not going to empower you because God forbid you can learn the secrets and then move on and do your own thing. But that's like, I think the beauty about true entrepreneurship is that if you empower in a true leader, Um, is empowering and refining the tools and the skills in the person in front of you and helping raise them up, right? Raising a leader. Um, So I'm a big, big fan of that. So it's really cool that you had that experience. Do you think if you didn't have that, you would be, where you are now? Like, I mean, I know like where you said, like you're from your dad's inspiration and the stuff you're doing with your family, but what, what credit do you give to that type of experience, like mentally or psychologically about empowering yourself to learn new trades or new tricks or new tools or new skills that maybe you wouldn't have gotten?
0: You know, it's always hard to, to know how life would have been without, but you know, I always go back to that story. So it had to have a huge impact on my life. I mean, you know, I did the, like, you know, I'm from Milwaukee. So we have Summerfest. So big, huge music festival. And then that those grounds are used. So I would serve pizza. You know, That was like the 16-year-old job. But when I'm 16 and a soccer player and I work at a soccer store and I'm making 8 bucks an hour and I've given my heart and soul to it. When I ended up going to college my first 2 years, I would go to work in the morning for like 2 hours drive over to class, go to like a class or two, go back to work for maybe two or three hours, go back to another class or two, and then go back to work and close the store. So, and there was nothing more than I just wanted to do it. Like I, it, it didn't matter. Like I almost quit college after two years because I thought I'm making 14 grand a year. I'm living the high life, yeah. you know, yeah. and partying every night and working all day and going to school and the school is just getting in the way. But uh, I ended up finishing up and being the first person in my family to graduate college. So, Congrats. Um, You know, I, yeah, I mean, that, that, so his name was Tim Snyder. He was the owner and uh, he ended up unfortunately dying very, very young and very uh, abruptly. Uh, I was actually on the phone for 20 minutes before it happened. And Mm -hmm. it just was uh, a pretty brutal time losing him because he was a mentor and a you know friend. And he gave me all the, all the, uh, all the confidence in the world to be what I wanted to be. So um, Yeah. yeah, he, I give him all the credit.
1: It's, it's such a powerful concept, this idea of mentorship, and I talk about that a lot, where you know we can look back at different stages in our lives and see, in addition to our family, who positively and negatively crafted our success, right? Yeah, I mean, he was just one of those people. There was
0: like, I think, six or 700 people came to his funeral, and he's from small Port Washington, Wisconsin. So, mm-hmm. he was just one of those people that you met him. He made you feel like you're amazing. And, uh, you just never forgot him. You know, he had nicknames, he knew people everywhere. I and mean, he just was the most genuine guy. It was, what's really funny though is, um, he ended up leaving selling that company to his partner, the, the soccer volleyball store and going to work for my dad. My dad was mentoring him. So he left to go work for my dad. And when he left, he said, uh, when he came to work for my dad, he, did almost the same thing that my dad did. He said, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you even pay me, but I'm coming to work for you. And at some point, you'll find a position for me. And he ended up becoming like this liaison between all the salespeople and trying to get them to the next level and literally created a position for himself within my dad's company. And my dad looked at me one day and said, he is going to be the next guy to take over this company. He is the epitome of what you need. And Um, you know, I always try to follow his, his lead and, um, you know, do what I could for him.
1: Yeah. So do you believe based on your experiences that like business ownership, successful business ownership or successful entrepreneurship is either in someone's DNA or it can be something that's completely like learned from scratch or somewhere in the middle? Like what would be your theory?
0: I think a lot of people, you know, want to do it and some people do it to a decent level, but I think there's a, a, a misconception of what you need to be, to be an owner. You know, you always see that image of the boss versus a leader. Mm-hmm. And the leaders are the ones that build those monster companies that have, you know, a bunch of high school and college kids working until three in the morning because they want to for eight bucks an hour. Um, you know, that's a leader and the leaders are the ones that, that really separate themselves and their companies. And I think as an entrepreneur, that's one of the hardest things to do. Like you said before is, turning over those reins and putting your faith into somebody, you think that you can do it the best. But I've got a bunch of people that, you know, think about a great electrician or a great plumber. Like they're terrible business people. They're like, Oh, I'm just gonna go do it on my own. It's like, I'll be there at noon and then they show up at, you know, three o'clock the next day. It's right. like, You're a great plumber and all, but you need to get somebody doing your business side. So Um, it's not for everybody.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's why I'm a big fan of the E-myth paradigm, right? The entrepreneur manager technician and knowing what your, what your skill set is and like honestly, and being honest with yourself, right? A lot of uh, my, my introduction to the entrepreneur world has really only been like full on entrepreneurship has only been like the last three years. And I've done all these different conferences and I've done the Tony Robbins and the Grant Cardone stuff. I see your 10 X flag in the back. Right. Uh, Grounds like you know, from where I where I grew up, his office is like four minutes away from where I grew up. Um, his now office, not his former California office, yeah. right? Um, so, and I have friends who are very close to them. I know people who work for him, right. So, but you know, but you see the people in some of those circles, and we're like, oh, they're just trying. There's no relationship with with a lot of these things, and I feel like you just defined the epitome of a beautiful entrepreneur leadership-based relationship that is not only being successful as a business, but is also successful around crafting people. And it sounds like that's what you really benefited and have, you know, yeah, you know, um,
0: I can't remember what book it was. It might've been good to great, but, um, you know, he talks about all the people on the bus and just, you know, you may have the right person. They just may be in the wrong seat and, um, yeah, finding people's talents and letting them explore where their passion is. I mean, you're going to get so much more out of somebody if they can do what they actually want to do instead of forcing them to do something. Right. So yeah, I mean, Tony Robbins grant, um, my dad actually was about 11 years into his business and ready to hand it over because it wasn't growing at all. And he went to see Tony Robbins and it changed his whole life. I mean, he went, he grew double digits, like 50% a year for 10 straight years. I mean, it was just game changing. Um, you know, I think he was in that turmoil where he didn't know what he was going to do. He literally was went to the the competitor down the street was going to hand him the pink slip to the business because he was so frustrated and hadn't grown it at all. And Tony got him to think outside the box and think about you know how to look at things differently. And it was he was in that turmoil, so it really resonated with him. My dad sent me to Tony as well, so I did the walk of fire and. Um, but it was a college present. I was working for my dad. I was just just about to leave, uh, Milwaukee to move and open up a store for him. I'm 22, 23 years old, making a pretty good living 40 or 50 grand a year selling in my family business, two cars and a motorcycle. I'm like, I, I have no turmoil. So yeah. He didn't really resonate at that time. Um, but you know, I go back and, and when, like, even right now, I mean, I go back and I'll, I'm reading, um, you know, unlimited power and awaken the giant and just rereading and getting that stuff back in. And, um, you know, I think this, those are good resources to go to, even if you can't have a conversation. So my dream in life is to be able to get my dad and Tony in a room. Uh, cause there's not a lot I can give my dad at this point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he can, he can get whatever he wants, but to get him back to the guy that changed his entire life and my life and my brother's life and my sister's lives. Um, I mean, it would be the best gift in the world. So.
1: Well, it sounds like with already your creative mind that you're definitely gonna find a way. And sometimes it has to do just with the ask of who knows, right? Putting it out to your social network. Who, right? Who knows? Who's got an a media connection with Tony that can pull this off for 15 minutes? From, you know, help me pull this off for 15 minutes.
0: I got a couple people. I'm just like easing my way into it. So be bold, my
1: you're man. Be bold. <laughs> so right? I did that for Howard Behar from Starbucks. I saw his book and um, right. It's not about the coffee. And he's the former international president under howard schultz i just literally took a blind shot and directly emailed him and mentioned some people that i'm friendly with from the from the from that business entrepreneur world that i know he's connected to and within 15 minutes i got a response back saying yeah i'd love to be on your podcast like this is the guy who literally brought frappuccinos to the market and built every single store outside of North America. And he was the North American, you know, retired as the North American president of Starbucks. But like, this is like, you know, the second in charge of, uh, you know, under Howard Schultz. And it was amazing. And it was just like, all I had to do was ask. Right. So I don't know. I'm just getting, I, I, we're just becoming friends, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to like, I, I'm going to hold you accountable to making this right. happen for your dad. I'm going to work on it. Good. So let's take it a little bit forward, which is, Going back into you, you seem like a guy who finds who sees a problem, and then if no one else is doing it, like you said, you're gonna go do it yourself. And this shirt thing, this guy's dress shirt, placatitis thing. First of all, great branding, great marketing, because right it, what the heck? Like th- thousands of prototypes, lots of money spent, right? In a in a way, it's kind of like the Sarah Blakely style of of doing, right? Because it's a very similar yeah right? Yeah. Story. I'll be compared to her any day. I'll take that. And yeah, right. And, I, and I'm in Jesse's, um, her husband's build your life resume community. And, and that's an amazing, amazing community of people who are doing some incredible stuff. Um, why didn't you give up? Why after, after shirt thousand or two thousand, like, like after this amount of dollars, like what made you not stop?
0: Well, um, I'm one of those bullheaded, uh, Annoying people that I think once I get a goal in my head and and uh, that I'm going to do something, I'll get focused on doing that. Uh, I mean, we have a I have a five thousand piece puzzle of the New York skyline pre nine eleven hanging on the wall, and people always see it and they're like, "Oh my god, that's a puzzle!" But it was like I was determined to do it, and so I and you know all that blue piece after piece after piece of blue, and now I'm working on a thirteen thousand piece puzzle of the Sistine Chapel, God's creation, man, but. Yeah. I'm just, I'm really focused. You know, the idea came up after looking at my wedding photos, I had a brand new freshly pressed shirt on. It was less than 30 minutes after taking off the hanger. It was before I said I do, and it was just a crumbled mess. And I hated the way that it looked. So, uh, after coming home from our Jamaican wedding, I started Google searching. There was nothing out there. Everything was some kind of collar stay or magnetic collar stay or some piece of scaffolding that goes under the co- I, it just that's not the problem the problem was down in this part of the shirt and so uh, there was nothing out there we did a patent search my wife was insanely supportive from day one and it wasn't out there and so I just that was my goal I knew I was going to bring this thing to market and and do it so I slowly tested every plastic I could find on the market I thought I'd have a winner and then I'd send it to the dry cleaner and sure enough it, it would melt right to the shirt and it's just like oh God, no. So I ruined an awful lot of shirts figuring it out, but thank God I have a lot of friends who wear dress shirts that, you know, had been worn out. And, um, I just kept testing and testing and testing and I've been selling for a little over four years now. And, um, now we've launched our own dress shirt. So we have a, but we can license the technology. So we're talking to all the big brands to get them to just put it into their shirts. And uh, while they're dragging their feet, not wanting to change the hundred year old design of a dress shirt, we decided let's just make our own shirt. And that's going, even in these times, which is really crazy, we're selling really, really, really well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a, I know where I want to go. It's, you know, trying to find the key and, uh, and unlock the combination. So uh, the only people that don't make it are the ones that give up.
1: Well, and it's so applicable to what's going on right now with this era of the pandemic of pivot and how fast and how quick is each industry going to change what you said, the hundred year old way that it's been done no longer exists. As of a month and ago, a month and a half ago, right? And I had within 24 hours, I had to pivot my whole private practice from being in person to right to being online. And as I we were talking before our, our this this call, um, where my lease is up in a month and a half, and I'm like, I don't know. Do I just like close down my office and go fully online? And what will that allow me to do? And is there a risk of losing people? And when if things get better in six months? Are people going to now be like, well, where's your office? I don't know, right? There's so many different things that we have to pivot to the new rules, which are you get to make up your own rules. And I really do appreciate about what you're saying is that while they're dragging their feet, I'm going to reinvent the game. And I'm going to do something that they're not providing.
0: You know, it's funny. I always hear the feedback. Well, I don't know if my customer has this problem. Well, then I why am I selling my product to your customers if they don't have the problem? Yeah. you
1: know, it, Or they don't even know because they didn't even think outside of the box enough for it to be aware of being a problem because we are so stuck in a logical way. We have our sequences in our brain, right? Neurologically, you probably know this from the marketing side, like we only see things based on the neurological paradigm. So we're never going to think and solve a problem or choose something differently outside of that construct.
0: Well, you know, and I think there's that, you know, corporate pressure of, I got to this role. I'm going to fly just under the radar so that I can keep my job and not step outside. Uh, Fortunately, we're actually working. We were contacted in October. It's April now, uh, by the company of the dress shirt I was wearing on the day of my wedding. And, So who is who we wanted all, all along, they contacted us. And so we've been negotiating with them. We've been talking and then all of a sudden all kinds of stuff came up. But, you know, I think most people are just afraid to make a change. Mm -hmm. I think a a lot of people in corporate America are, like I said, I think they're stuck in this. I want to keep my job and I don't want to step too far outside the bounds, but you know, you can, you're right, you can't do things the way that they, they've they always been done. I mean, the biggest company, PVH, who has Calvin Klein and Van Hughes and all these, mm-hmm. they came out, while I'm coming out with a technology for the 90% of dress shirts that are worn without a tie, they came out with a stretch collar. Great! Nobody's wearing a tie, who cares how much... Why do you need a stretch collar when nobody's but wearing not a it all tie? it up anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I look at them as the oil tanker that you know, or the Titanic that needs to take that a long time to turn, where we can pivot. And so, you mentioned pivoting, and we've probably pivoted the company four or five times already, just because uh, you know that's where the customers' feedback is. We did a Kickstarter in 2014 before we even launched the company, and we didn't get funded. But people unequivocally said, "Why are you trying to make your own shirt?" We were going to do our own shirt at that point. Um, they said, why not license the technology and why can't I upgrade the shirts I already own? And we we're like, oh my God, yeah, you already know what fits, what fabric you like. Why not make it? So the whole design changed when I thought I had it. It all changed and I had to come up with a universal design that fits into every single shirt, which is what we have now. So you have to be able to listen. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of entrepreneurs. If you watch Shark Tank, you'll see these guys get so stubborn and like, no, 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 this is the way we're going to do it. And it's like, that's not what the market's telling you. That's not what the numbers are telling you. Like you have to
1: listen. Or the experts are telling them. Right. And I love seeing that the, the, the 4% more, can you do 5% less for 20 Like you're making, if you're making right, zero of zero, 50% of, of something is always better than 0% of nothing. Right. And again, I think, yeah, I, I, I think. you know, we, we've talked about Shark
0: Tank and these things and then, you know, we can, we get investor, uh, reach out a lot on both of our companies. And, you know, obviously we'd love to be on Shark Tank for the exposure and, and working with one of those guys that has the connections. But, you know, we keep talking about having, you know, 50% of a grape or, you know, 10% of a watermelon. So uh-huh. it's, uh, it's a lot different you know, thought process of where you can go with some cash and some
1: connections. And it's a long, it's a long thing and it's a big difference. And I know that like, this is the mentality that like my, the, one of my mentors, one of my coaches, Rick Sapia, was a, a billionaire capital venturist and he's, the whole his whole first primary starting point is the fire, the fire, so to speak, kill Superman, superwoman right? You think you're going to do it alone. If you're not going to hire the right experts, if you're not going to consult with the right experts, if you don't find the right accountants and the right attorneys and the right business people and the right marketing people, you can't do it, right? You're never going to grow to the potential success that, you know, know, for me, it's a little bit different, right? Because I have associates that are working under me. I have another therapist and a chiropractor and a nutritionist, but right, I I still have to empower them to get the right clients and have to help the market and stuff like that. But once they're seeing a client, it's money that's coming into my pocket without having to do anything. And my job is, if it was a different rate right, previous to the pandemic, it was just how, how can I get that to scale with how many people, right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I still have to see a client in order for my money to come in at the higher value. And there's a way that I have to figure out like as a business owner, well, I would rather be working with five people like you on retainer for the course of the year than seeing 30 people a week and, and basically make the same equivalency of what that is, especially when it's a higher value for me as well. Right. And it's much, yeah. be much more enjoyable. So like, this is a time for everybody in business to like really think about like, who have I always really been wanting to serve? And what are the problems I really want to help solve? Not because the economy forced me into doing X, Y, and Z and I had to settle there, or I'm afraid of making a rift because I want to keep my job.
0: Yeah, you know, and I love what Grant says. Grant Cardone is big on, you know, the rich people are good at buying time. And so for every person that you have under you that can do, and if you can accept, you have to accept 70% or 65% of what you can put out. If you can accept that, you can create time. And that's the one thing that money can't buy, you know. So finding the right team and getting them in place, it's it's funny because. You know, like I said, I, I, if I couldn't afford someone to do it, I had to learn how to do it myself. But you can only do so many skills. And while we're trying to scale this business, fortunately, I have a business partner that is the opposite of me um, and is really good at a lot of the technical and the graphic stuff. But even at that, it's like, look, we need to, we need to hire people that know, you know, the email follow up system inside and out so that they can build that and we don't lose people out of the system. You know, it's time to get those pieces in place so that we can really start to create time because you get a good email follow-up system. That's like having another employee. So spend five or 10 grand, get it dialed in and not think about it again. And
1: you know, what do you cheap think for, an employee. Course, though, right? for a lot of people, it's kind of like I can put that money in my pocket so I can pay my bills Right. It's the, it's the, it's the short-term versus long-term, right? That people but were very short sighted. And yes, obviously people have to pay their bills, but where did you find for you where it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to sacrifice a little bit more of income in order to bring this person onto my team.
0: Like how uh, I think that- I listened to enough people that said that you have to sacrifice. Um, you know, I, I like Gary V as well, but I always knew that it was going to take sacrifice. I think I learned a lot originally from my dad you know, he would be the last one to get paid. Uh, and, you know, while he's building this business, we ate a lot of beanies and weenies, as he called it. Um, because it, he, you you know that there's... In the long term, it's going to work out. You know, I, I often tell my wife and it's, it's... I have a much bigger goal for life than most people. So it sounds crazy. But, you know, I say, you know, I'm not doing this so that you can plan a trip with your friends in six months and say, all right, we're going to do this. I'm doing this so you can call a girlfriend, three girlfriends and say, we're leaving right now, pack your stuff. We're going and I've taken care of it. Let's go have a good time. That's what I'm working for. And that to me requires a different level of sacrifice. than, you know, I want to go put a portion in my driveway. I, I can make two grand a month to make that car payment. That's easy. But the life that I want to build that her and I both want to build takes a lot more and a lot more sacrifice. And so uh, thinking on the long term of it. I mean, I'm seven years in, so I'm th- maybe three years away from my overnight success, you know? So yeah, uh, right. I and mean, it is, right. It is that ten, <laughs> twenty, thirty, forty 30, 40 year overnight success. And I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's a long-term, long-term goal. And so putting myself in the backseat for a little bit while we make it, you know, while we get by, then that's what it has to be. I mean, yeah look at this is my home office, which is also the shipping center, which is also the, <laughs> the sewing
1: center. That's, and that's respectable, else. right? It, it, it's, it's the idea of you do have, cause I see this all the time. And, and as I referenced before, like I grew up in South Florida and my own, you know, I was a scholarship kid and I wasn't a great student, but I grew up around kids who are at 16 years old getting Range Rovers for their first car. And I'm like, Oh my God, like, I had a rabbi pay for me to go to, to to private school, you know, to go to a Jewish local private school because the public school I went to wasn't really good at all. I went to a, a magnet program in inner city school um, and I had to leave that program. So like I was the scholarship kid in the middle class, right. in an upper middle class uh, scenario. And I just saw my relationship to money was all around. If you have a lot of it, you're a dick. Right. And you're from the Midwest. So you have a right. So and Midwest is a very different mentality, like the people, and I know that cause I was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I know like there's people there who are incredibly wealthy, but they're driving a Toyota Camry.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, Milwaukee's super conservative. There's no Ferrari dealerships in Milwaukee. There's no Lambo dealerships and, but there is a lot of money. And uh, I ended up in high school in Shorewood, Wisconsin, which is on the East side, right on Lake Michigan. So I had friends that live in what today are $5 million mansions on the lake that, yeah, they were driving all those cars and, you know, Nicolet high school's right there and Whitefish Bay high school. And I knew kids with portion Hummers and, you know, and it was my mom and my sister and I in a two bedroom duplex. Um, when, you know, my parents were divorced. And so I went to live with my mom and my sister and my sister and I shared a bedroom. We're five years apart and I'm in high school. So, you know, we were, yeah, it was just, it was weird seeing it, um, up close like that. Um, but I think it gives you perspective. I mean, I live in LA now, so it is the abundance that is here, uh, is, it's either going to inspire you or it's going to crush you. Yeah. And to me, it inspires me when I see a a, a McLaren or a Lambo or something, I'm like, yep, that's yep. cool. What? They're doing it. They're doing it. Yep. They've got it already. So I'm a little bit jealous and I'm a little bit irritated that I don't have it yet, but I, I know I'll get there. And um, I just love it. I love uh, being around it. And if, as long as you don't let it consume you, I think you can let it fuel you and uh, it can
1: be a good thing. I, I, I truly believe that the entrepreneurship process as a therapist is a, is a path to self awareness and personal development. And right, and I'm not just talking about like the Tony Robbins stuff, like because it's not necessarily always about business with with Tony or you know. And Grant is Grant is an, an interesting mix of of stuff, and he was one of the first people I got turned on to um, when I started down this road a bunch of years ago. But I really do like psychologically, like when you're talking about L.A. for Example, I remember the first time I went out to L.A. Um, It was the second time I was out there for a wedding, for a friend's wedding, but I was, that was in the Valley. So very different vibe than actually being in the city, being in, in Hollywood Hills and staying literally up at someone's house in the Hollywood, you know, literally right under the Hollywood sign. Um, and then coming home one day when I was out traveling and sightseeing that the cast of Jag was over for dinner. If you remember that show, right? Oh yeah. Because they were produced the person's house I was staying at was a, was a producer in Hollywood. Um, and walking around realizing, like, I don't think I'm good looking enough to be in the city. That was my mentality at 24 years old of like, I'm not good looking enough. Forget not the money. I'm not good looking enough to be here in the city. And then now going back multiple times over many years to see other friends and whatever. I'm like, okay, I get it now. Like I see it through a very different lens, but I think a lot of that came from me realizing my value as. A therapist and as a business coach and as a, you know alternative medicine practitioner and as a speaker, that the value doesn't always equate to that house or that car, but what can I bring to help someone else? What problems am I helping solve? Right? And a lot of your businesses have been about solving a problem, but I also realized that like I've become a healthier human being because of this journey. Yeah. I mean, you know, you said
0: before, I think the, the people around you that had money were dicks and it's like, I think that I've seen the money brings out who you really are. I mean, if you're a good person at your soul, you know, you're going to be a good person with $10,000 in the bank or $10 million in the bank. And it, it's funny watching, I've seen people go through this arc and it's like, you know, from zero to a hundred thousand, they're, they're still them. And all of a sudden they hit like 200, 250, 500 and they get this ego like this, like they are this the best thing ever. And then once they get past that, like half million dollars a year, kind of like, okay, well now they start hanging out with people that are, are bigger than them. And then they're like, gets maybe put back in their place a little bit. And then, you know, I even watched it through, my, my dad went through that phase and it was just like, Okay. Well, you know, but then he hit this other cycle and it was just like, man, he's just the most chill. He, you know, he a bunch of kids, he's got seven grandkids now. And it's like, you know what, if something breaks, it breaks. It's just stuff. We can always replace it. But uh, when I was as those kids age, we had hell or high water, if something broke, you're in deep, deep trouble
1: that's the journey so, yeah. right that's the unpackaging of it all and i um i've spent time with dr ivan meisner who's the founder of bni the networking the international networking group mm-hmm. um uh, over the last couple of years um and i've had some really nice one-on-one conversations with him but i remember like when i saw him, um when i saw him a few months ago um at my business program in, in dallas um he said that he has been invited to richard branson's private island uh, necker, necker island multiple times right and he's like me like, who the hell am I? Like, just like, you know, like he, he knows me and he spent time with my son and he, he asked me questions and then we went on this other private tour of another Island he's buying. And like, he like, I was one of the five people like me and I'm like, this is dr meisner like if like anywhere in america you go someone's going to try to get you to come to a bni networking group right that's like yep. a thing and it's a great program and it's a brilliant thing and he the guy is one of the nicest gentlemen i've ever met and um great storyteller but even him who has over a million members in his business all over the world is still be like you see value in me
0: yeah. Right. I mean, it's, uh, I think being humble is, is a much better way to go. And,
1: uh, yeah, you can, you know, you can pick who you you associate yourself with. So <laughs> but you have to proactively choose. And I'm a big fan. Of, and my, 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 the people who know me pretty well, especially in my, when I'm giving my workshops and classes, like, I'm like, you're always going to hear me go back to one thing, core values, core values, core values, core values. And if you tell me your core values, I'll tell you what you should be expecting in your life. And if you're not living by that, then I can tell you why all your chaos is in your life. So whether you're a couple, you're an individual, you're a young professional, you're one of my businesses that I'm coaching, I can't help you unless I know your core values. And I can tell you why you're out of alignment because you're probably either A, not aware of them or you're not living in alignment with them. So that's where we need to do the work first. And bringing that into the next you know, few minutes that we, we have together, I'm really curious about the dynamics of a husband and wife entrepreneur dynamic. And I know you guys own one business together. Um, and I know there's multiple things that are going on that she's involved with and you're involved with and there is some overlap. So what what has been some of the pros and what have been some of the cons of being husband and wife, both being entrepreneurs in your own right, but also bringing that home and maybe even you know on the business that you collaborate on together?
0: Uh, it, it's been funny. I, you know, I, I got into real estate when I was like 23 years old, maybe. And I would see these husband and wife couple teams. And I looked at that and I was like, what? You work all day together. You wake up in the morning together. You have lunch together. You go to bed together. You eat dinner. Like, what? And when I met my wife, uh, we clicked unbelievably from minute one. And once we bought that building, we literally... Her gym was on one side my screen printing business on the other. And there was an office that divided them. And we sat 10 feet apart and did that for three years. And it was amazing. I mean, in those three years, we probably did 10 years worth of, you know, a normal couple's relationship. And, you know, there's, there's definitely hard times of, uh, you know, she has ideas or I have ideas and communication sometimes breaks down. But at the end of the day, you know, I know I've got someone that's got my back. She's, she knows that she's got someone's that got her back and we've been able to work things out. Uh, we have a boat business together. We have a yacht charter business. So I'm a, a 50 ton master captain, which I've gotten since we've been here in LA. And you know, I, I'm like the, I, you know, I captain and I, Kind of oversee the stuff, but she is so detail oriented so it's really a good balance between she takes care of the stuff that I don't like to do and I take care of the stuff that you know she doesn't do so um, you know when she's not doing that she's a Hollywood stunt woman and she's incredible and it's a super badass and uh, you know we just just try to make the most of what we have but you know when you spend this much time together uh, there's always going to be you know headbutting and, uh, problems. So it's, I heard something and I, am not the best at working at it, but I'm working towards it. And, uh, somebody once said to me, if it won't matter in five years, don't waste five minutes. And, you know, when you're in the heat of a, a battle over something stupid, you know, sometimes it's hard to think about that, but if you can keep that in the back of your head when things are going down and just get over stuff quicker, it, it, it'll make
1: all the difference in the world. 100%. It's so funny because I had my last call, uh, my last session before you and I jumped on this call was about those dynamics in a couple that's a family business. And the amount of time, effort, and energy they're spending on things that are completely superfluous and not only support for us, but they don't have any control over. And I'm like, how is that building your, a, your relationship and be putting dollars in your bank account by spending time on what's yeah. going on in the world. And like, but, 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 you know, but I gotta, but I gotta put my voice out there. Is that putting those, you came to me for two things, help your relationship, help your business. Is that towards it or against it? Right. Yeah. Simple. And how much time, effort and energy have you put into whatever that issue is, is, that you could have then, right, over the last week, how many hours, oh, uh, whatever, half hour, an hour, two hours, okay, so that two hours towards your business, what would that have done for you? It's really just a simple pivot when you get, you know, our brain goes into that fight or flight when we get, to, when our heart rate goes up on something, we're automatically in reptilian brain, which is fight or flight, which is that old, you know, self-sabotage, what we would call self-sabotage intellectually or psychologically, and you can't solve a problem from that place. No. Right. And, and so our, our job, right. You as a business owner and working with your wife and my job as a therapist and a coach is right how do we strategically proactively, because we're all in a fight or flight right now with what's going on in the world.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think it was seven habits of highly effective people, but it's, you know, the stuff you can control and the stuff you can't. And that really, really resonated with me. And, you know, my mom worries about stuff that she can't control sometimes. You know, you always have people around you that do, and it's, to me, it's, it's become an obvious observation. It's like, look, you can't do anything about it. So what, you know, what can you do? Where can you spend your energy? But when you're in that mode and you think it's happening to you, it's hard to take a step back and say, look, I can't control that, but I can control this. And I don't know, maybe being a problem solver that comes a little bit easier to me, but, uh, yeah, and you just can't spend, ugh, it's so exhausting
1: to spend energy on stuff you can't do anything about. Yeah. Where does, where does self-care come in for you and for her on this? Like what's that process as, right. You're running multiple businesses, you're a married couple, you have other stuff going on. What's, what's the process and journey of self-care for you guys that's been working?
0: So, you know, we've, we, we do therapy. Um, I think I relate it to having a coach or a mentor in business. You know, she's been riding horses since she's eight years old and she still rides, she rides two days a week. And she has a trainer, so it's like, look, you've been riding for your whole life, basically, and you still have a trainer because you want to constantly improve. And like you just said, sometimes you can't see what's right in front of your face. And so, uh, recently, we had uh, our therapist said, you know, what? What did you do early on that you guys don't do anymore? And I was like, you know what? When we lived in Milwaukee, we had a huge kitchen in our little in our duplex. It was just like an open kitchen, and so we made dinner together like every night. And when we moved to LA and paid like five times more than we were paying in our mortgage for this, it had a teeny tiny kitchen. We both, we couldn't both fit in it. And so for four years, we didn't make dinner together. And so all of a sudden she's like, well, do that. You go shop. She, you guys decide together, you go shop and then you make it together. And so we started doing that. And it's like stuff that is outside of. Both being entrepreneurs, we always want to talk about business. You know what happened in my business, what's happening here, what's going on here, and it, and that's it's so not emotional. So for us, making dinner together and we start reminiscing about when we met and trips we've taken and things we've done. It's just kind of changed the foundation and helped rebuild that, and it's been that's been awesome. So it's become a date night of sorts. Yeah. I mean, we can't go out anyway. So, you know, we typically, you know, make dinner at home because, you know, we moved to LA thinking that uh, knowing that there was opportunity here and so um, become coming from Milwaukee and, you know, we sold my business and our house and everything we had. uh, We knew we had to kind of take it easy because if you leave the house out here, you're spending 150 or 200 bucks real quick, especially for the couple. So you know, we just don't do that. It's another thing that we sacrifice because we want to get to a further point. So it's better for us to have the cash in the bank. We make dinner, then we can meet people out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, making dinner is, it's been great. It's been like a little date thing and um, it's cool. You just got to do what you can do with what you can do.
1: So is there one thing that if you can maybe like sum it up and I kind of call this like my on one foot, moment of if you can distill everything down in a shareable kind of like if the people out there can do this or if they learn this or they they apply this in their life this will make things so much radically easier and more meaningful or more successful for them that you feel like really is like the distillation of everything to this point that you've accomplished um
0: yeah, I mean, know where you're going. That certainly helps. I mean, you know, begin with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey says. Um, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. And so, you know, my wife and I really hit on when we first met of what we wanted out of life. You know, coming from super conservative Wisconsin, she's from Green Bay, even smaller than Milwaukee. Um, we knew we wanted to do stuff that the people around us weren't really talking about. And so we connected on that level. And, you know, when we, when we're battling over dumb stuff, it's because we've lost, we've forgotten where we're going. And so when we can divert back to, look, this is what we want to do. This is where we want to go. We want to travel. We want to do this, that, whatever. um, I think knowing where you're going is certainly help, uh, help is a guiding
1: light, I think. Yeah. And having those conversations. Not being afraid to have those conversations. So, it's not always easy but. no, right but but I think but, but that's like in the business mindset, like we have to have these conversations or something's gonna fall through the cracks and we don't want that to happen on that right on the financial side. but it's also interesting that people don't apply that also. It sounds like you guys are applying it, which is really cool. But a lot of people out there that I—that's why they end up in my office—is because they don't have these conversations that you and your wife have been having. So I think that's really cool that the process that you have been doing in the self-care and the keep going and keep going and keep going and test segments and I, I, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. So I really want to congratulate you and and she on on the successes that you guys are making. Yeah. Well, you know, every day is the is the choice. You know, we wake up, I wake up every morning,
0: she wakes every morning and said, we're going to be married. We're going to figure out today. And, um, you know, we'll do it again tomorrow. And that's how you get to, you know, be married for 50 years or 70 years. It's funny because she comes from her parents have been together for like 40 or 45 years. And, uh, my dad is twice divorced. My mom is divorced and remarried. And so she's seen that side. And I've seen this side and, I don't ever want to get divorced. And she's like, well, I don't really know what, you know, I don't deal with that either. So it's cool that we're on the same page as far as that, which means there isn't an out, there isn't an easy, you go your way, I'll go my way. Let's, let's break it down and figure out, you know, we got here. So let's get back to where we
1: came from and, you know, get back to on track of where we're going. Yeah. So in other words, keep it simple, stick to the basics. Do lots of Yes, I love that. Keep it simple, stupid. keep it simple, stupid. Right, (laughs) and 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 do lots of cooking together. Do as many activities. Share. Right, it is. It's it's the like. What what is when you do business with someone, right? You you're trying to do business with like minded people. We're trying to accomplish like minded things, and that really does have to apply to your personal relationships as well, especially your your most intimate relationships. Yeah, absolutely. So people want to track you down, right? Where can they find you? How can they reach out to you? I know you've been on a bunch of different podcasts and you're doing some really cool stuff, but what's the best way for people to, to one, track you down if they want, if they have questions or they want to get involved in the business or become, you know, whatever, maybe from the business side. um, But also like social media and buying the products.
0: So uh, I don't tend to do a lot of personal social media. Um, So I have a LinkedIn uh, I'm on there. My two companies are called Million Dollar Collar. That's the technology that I invented, uh, and then our shirts are called Go Tyless. The first shirt designed to be worn without a tie, uh, with obviously with Million Dollar Collar already built in. Um, so I'm Rob at Million Dollar Collar, or Rob at Go uh, are my emails, and um, we have all the social medias Go Tyless and Million Dollar Collar. So uh, fairly active on Instagram, a little bit on Facebook for the businesses, and uh, the boat business is Bella Boating. So if you're in LA or you want to get out on the water and, you know, see some dolphins or whatever, we have a, a a great boat for that. And, um, yeah, that's it. My wife's a stunt woman. So she's, uh, like I said, she's awesome. That's cool. Is there anything that we might have seen her in? She was a a scroll soldier in Captain Marvel. So that was probably the big blockbuster that she did. She doubled uh, Taylor Swift in a music video. That was pretty incredible. Um, we helped uh, Beyonce with a music video on our boat. So that was pretty insane. I, I, I love when people come on the boat. I'm like, Beyonce sat right there. And uh, so uh, yeah, we've done some cool stuff. She's done. uh, She's had a pretty amazing career for only been in it three years. She's worked on, I don't know, 30 or 40 or 50 shows. So um, she's, she's set a goal and go after it kind of girl. And she she definitely has, Epitomize that she inspires me to, you know, go after and keep going and, you know, get up early and get my day going and, you know, provide her
1: that life that I told her I would. Beautiful. Well, I appreciate so much the time you've been able to share with us today. I know there was a lot that hopefully people are going to get from, from today's episode. And as always, if anybody has any questions, you have all the the ways of reaching out to him to get, to buy the, this product, right? If you're a guy, and even though we're working from home, you know, we still hope we need to show up every once in a while to a meeting and in a really good shirt. So treat yourself to something new. And, uh, and, and, and show up in a, in a way differently than you have for the last hundred years, like the way the other companies. Yeah. Do.
0: Yeah. If you like uh, wearing dress shirts that'll tie, we can, we can upgrade the shirts you already own. So we're in 600 dry cleaners across uh, the U S right now. So you just drop your shirts off, have them install it and costs about 10 bucks a shirt. Once it's installed, it lasts life. Um, and it will prevent the front of the shirt from collapsing. So it's a, uh, it's a game changer. Just check out million dollar com, And if, uh, We've got some other shirts, Calvin Klein's and Perry, uh, Tommy Hilfiger and Kenneth Cole. We have shirts that we've bought that we've upgraded. So we have upgraded versions of those shirts. So if you already know those brands, you can grab one of those. And then uh, GoTylus is is cranking. I mean, it's really weird. I think uh, with the lockdown situation, people are going turning to e-commerce unlike ever before. I mean, there's a lot of people that have in the last 60 days have made their first e-commerce purchase ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of business on e-commerce and our shirts are selling unbelievably well. So a uh, couple of col- I mean, we only have three colors right now. We just start bootstrapping and just launched that. So it's incredible that we're selling as well as we are with just three colors, but we've got another one in production and another five or six coming um, in a few months. So um, yeah, it's, it's been wild.
1: So Awesome. Well, congratulations again on the success and for sure what's going to be as within, like you said, within the next three years to hit that massive goal that you've been doing that long marathon to get to.
0: We'll see, you know, inch forward every single day. That's it. You got it. Thanks for listening to the You Winning Life podcast. If you are ready to minimize your personal and professional struggles and maximize your potential, we would love it if you subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Jason Wasser, LMFT.